amazing grace. Cut it down just a little bit. Amazing grace. Saved a wretch like me up a little bit. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Aren't you glad? Aren't you just overwhelmed by God's love for us? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And the title of that is Broken Vessels. And we're all broken. We're just in jars of clay. And God brings us and he puts us back together. The potter. And molds us and makes us more like Jesus. I don't know about you, sometimes I just feel <laughs> just shattered. But God always puts me back together. He brings it all back together. Because of amazing grace. I'm so grateful for amazing grace. I wish all of us could get that revelation of that grace that saved us. Because we know our God is holy. And he made a way for you and I to be with him forever. There's no greater news. There's no better news. I've been reflecting on it. The forgiveness of sin. There's no greater news. That we could ever, ever imagine. When it compares with Jesus Christ. And what he did for me and you and for the world. That my sins have been forgiven. For such a wretch like me. And God has forgiven me. And forgives all who call upon his name. It's no greater gift. And that's why the Bible stresses gratitude and thanksgiving. Did nothing else happens in my life of any value or any good in that sense is I can be grateful for salvation. Because grace is something I can't deserve, I don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. It's not something that I in any way can earn. And yet God extended it to me in the depths of my depravity. How sweet the sound. God is good. He is so good. I just pray that revelation for all of us. That we would see that how. How deep down we had gone into the muck and the mire of sin. 
and those things that were against the will of God. And God reached down. And somehow by His grace, we took His hand. And He picked us up. And set our feet upon a rock. His name is Jesus. I'll be forever grateful and thankful that He did that. And I know you will be too. We praise God for this time together. That we can share our lives. That we can be open. You know. I got a lot of religion in me. I got a lot of legalism. And you know religion and legalism is what sent Jesus to the cross. But God's doing a work. Get rid of that religion and bringing me into that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And that's what he wants for all of his children. Because I can come in here dressed up and look real good on the outside. But the Bible says that God looks at the heart. He looks past those things that we try to fool men with and looks at our hearts. And yet he's so good, he takes that grace and applies it in every situation because he loves us. And he's always doing things that I can never, ever imagine. while we shout hallelujah that's why we come in here and are t- touched in the depths of our being because that's the work of the spirit and that's what God is doing because he is working things out in your life and my life hallelujah alright thank you Lord well, we're going to talk about sin. <laughs> oh, you say, but Jim, that's not a real popular subject, <laughs> right? I want to talk to you about it. Now, I always want to say and sum this up with that amazing grace. Okay. I don't want you to leave you hanging because there are things that God may be doing in your life that he's not doing in my life. Okay. There may be things that you're tempted with in your life that I'm not tempted with at all. And yet you know in your heart that God has convicted you of certain things and, and you're trying, you're saying, Lord, I know this is not right, but everybody else seems to be going a different way. And this particular scripture in Romans chapter 14 addresses that. And I want to talk to you today about that because God works. When you receive Jesus Christ in your life and because of that amazing grace is he's not finished with us then. That is not the culmination. Certainly that is awesome and we're headed to heaven. But that's just the beginning of that work that he's doing in my life and your life. And I want to read Romans chapter 14 verse 23. If you'd like to stand and read it with me, you're welcome to do that. 
But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that he does not come from faith is sin. i read that at the end. And everything that he does not come from faith is sin. Everything, again, that doesn't come from faith is sin. Now, what he's talking about here as far as eating, because again, I'm going to apply it in the situations in our lives. Thank you. Is that certain things as God grows us up and makes us more like Jesus. He works differently in our lives. His whole purpose is to make us more like Jesus. Because in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that we have been predestined in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So he has actually brought about saying, this is what I'm going to do. Because I have people ask me, they say, Jim, is this a sin that this is happening in my life or something I'm doing? And I think I would always answer, in most cases anyway, that if you somehow think it may be a sin, and you're having to ask the question of whether or not it's a sin, it probably is. It's like going in a restaurant that has the menu, but it doesn't have the particular prices on the menu. You can pretty much think that's going to be an expensive restaurant, right? It's the same way when we look at sin. And so what bothers me the most about approaching sin from a a lot of do's and don'ts, a lot of these and that is, and certainly the commandments and so forth, do not uh, murder, uh, do not commit adultery and don't lie and don't steal. All of these are pretty clear. But a lot of times we have these lists and, and all, and we need to abide by that, certainly. But you see, sin is actually a condition of the heart. It's something, something deep. It's not what I have done or I wasn't, haven't done. It's obviously who I am when I'm born. Then I'm born, obviously, with that total depravity. And the only way out is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we look at it a lot of times, if I can just take care of this and that, although we need to allow God to to change our hearts in those matters, in particular habits or actions that we have or attitudes, yes. But ultimately, we know it is a matter of the heart. And the matter of the heart is the wellspring of life. And we know we read in Jeremiah is the heart is more deceitful than anything you could imagine. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at the fact about these lies that we have believed about God, about ourselves, about our feelings, about our circumstances. And last week, we talked about who we are. That in 1 Peter chapter 2, that we're chosen people, a royal priesthood that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so this is who we are. And God wants us to know who we are. But he's also working in our heart to rid our lives of those things and attitudes and motives and actions and words and thoughts, all these things in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Okay. One of the things I believe that is, again, people say, well, I don't have anything outwardly 
necessarily in the sense of just blatantly sinning. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not lying, not stealing, and, and so forth. Well, you know, worrying is sin. Worrying is sin. Now, that's something down deep. And sometimes we see it, don't we? But worrying is, is sin. Uh, overeating is sin. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And these things we don't necessarily think of that are sin. Maybe watching a disturbing movie or watching something on TV that you're convicted of that maybe someone else can watch it and it doesn't bother them at all. There's no conviction. And yet God has convicted you or me of that particular uh, movie or particular place I shouldn't go or whatever it may be. And so he's calling Causing me, calls, he's calling us not to doubt and to know that we've got to walk by faith because everything that's not a faith is sin. We've got to believe that we know a lot of times God will convict you of something again that he doesn't convict me of. There's something you're dealing with that doesn't necessarily bother me because he works on us as individuals to make us more like Jesus. And when God is doing something in somebody's life and we see a particular habit or something God is doing in their lives, we, a lot of times as Christians, automatically condemn them. And they're Christians. They've been born again. And God says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Always remember that. He's not condemning you. He just wants to come and do a new work in your life and my life. It's kind of like he's putting new wine and he wants to put, them, put the new wine in the new wineskins. He's saying the old wineskins can't hold this new wine. So he's doing this in your life and my life, making us more like Jesus. And he's changing out those wineskins. And he's beginning to do something different in each of our lives here. We certainly, necessarily, these are not sin because obviously they are a list and a list, but because... They are a rejection of God's perfect will for us. God is saying that he wants us to do his will. He knows what's best for us. And when we sin, we believe we know better than what God knows. And so we step out of God's will at that particular point. So what is sin? The Hebrew word actually is himarta, and it actually means to miss the mark. It's used like a marksman aiming an arrow at a target. And if the archer was saying he missed the bullseye, he would say he had sinned, in other words. And see, we miss the bullseye of God's perfect will a whole lot of times, right? And that's sin. We miss the mark. Y'all have heard that expression before, I'm sure. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. So I want to talk today about some of these misconceptions about sin. About what actually it is. Because we need to know. It's part of what we've been talking about. And you can call it lies that we have believed about sin. Or maybe things that you've thought in your life and heart and so forth. Or maybe to clarify it today exactly what that means. Because we need to know. And then the good news is amazing grace again. One thing, sin will destroy you. It will destroy you. There are consequences to sin. 
And many times why people will do sin is because the immediate justice they don't see. It comes later when we're judged. Now, we will not be judged in, in the sense of the great white throne judgment for unbelievers, but we will be judged for our works. The Bible's clear. And that is obviously that judgment for Christians, not condemnation. We're in heaven. But he does look at what we do with the right motive and under his will, so forth. One of the things people will say is that people try to soften the language a little bit. And what they'll say is, well, I made a mistake. And even Christians, well, I made a mistake. Yes, a mistake, but it's sin. And we need to call sin for what it is because sin is totally intolerable before a holy God. And we've got to understand how God sees sin. He hates sin. He hates sin. That's why he sent Jesus. He paid the ultimate price by sending his only begotten son into the world to die for the sins of the world. And he hates sin. It's totally black. He cannot look upon sin. I remember some time ago, I've always mentioned this, as God gave me a glimpse of sin, maybe my sin at that particular time before I got cleansed in the blood, and that was, it was totally black. He gave me a glimpse, it was real fast, I remember where I was when he revealed that to me, and it was like nauseating, and that's the way sin is in God Almighty, he's totally holy, without any type of blemish in understanding that. The Bible has several words to describe sin, such as transgressions or disobedience or rebellion or iniquity here. In the New Testament, sin is viewed as a lack of fellowship with God. And the ideal life is being one of fellowship with God and anything which disrupts or disturbs or distorts this fellowship is sin. That is what God wants. That's what we are to do. And anything that comes in to any way change that or maybe to come in and usurp that is sin. That's why idolatry is so dangerous. Because we know that God must have first place in our lives. A lot of people will say, well, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. And, you know, I accepted him when I was eight years old or whatever. And yet they never asked Jesus to be Lord over their lives. To come and to- take total possession of their lives of their things, of their their attitudes, their emotions, of their family, of their work, and, and whatever it may be, their car, their home, their family, or whatever. God must, Jesus must be Lord of our lives because a lot of time people may be surprised when they just say, yeah, because they're given an intellectual agreement or assent. Yeah, oh yeah, I believe that. Well, the demons believe that. They know that Jesus is Lord. And it is actually when you're saved, you give your heart and your life totally to Jesus Christ. You are no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. And that's something that he calls upon every believer, true believer, to do in our lives. Jesus taught that sin is a condition of the heart and not just our actions here. Think about it. Sin begins in the heart and works its way out through a person's thoughts, words, and actions. And I might say also attitude. It begins there with those things. So let's look at some misconceptions about what you may have about sin here. Well, sin will obviously uh, will send me to hell. So I've got to be good here. 
Some people will say, yeah, but I have attended church all my life. I have been there. I have served the Lord and I've done all of these types of things. And and they are faithful because they obviously have a fear of their, obviously, the things that they have done and what they haven't done. And as I just said, it's not about that. And that's great. We need to be obedient. But our works do not save us, folks. Our best work cannot measure up to a holy God. And understanding that, the only way is through Jesus Christ and believing upon Him. And He took our sins upon Him. And He he gave us His righteousness. He imputed it to us, theological term. And the reason people go to hell is because they have rejected the free gift of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. It's not that one sin is bigger than the other because that's the way we're judged here on this earth, of course, through a legal judicial system. But God looks at it totally different. God looks at the fact that it is about our heart. A lot of this that we do is a fear mentality concerning salvation and sin. And it comes from the spirit of legalism that uses a desire for reward and a fear of punishment as to motives. Fear and desire for reward are human needs which are easily manipulated by religion. And people may come to church all their lives out of fear that maybe, obviously, they've heard about hell, they've heard about heaven, they know all about this, but they're coming under the attitude and the the whole thought process that, man, if I don't do this and I don't do that, then I'm not going to make it. And that's why a lot of people sitting in the church pews today won't make it. Because they feel like, in one way or another, coming to church is going to get them in heaven. And I want to tell you, you will not get in heaven by coming to church. You reject Jesus Christ and you've rejected the only way to a holy God and relationship with Him. Nothing wrong with coming to church. We need to. But coming to church, the reason is we encourage one another and we build one another up. We come together to have fellowship. And, and obviously, we're iron sharpens iron. And we learn, learn how to love one another. And how to get along and have a community together as a family. The family of God. But the church doesn't save you. No one is going to hell for committing certain sins. But you may say, what about the list in the Bible that say no adulterer, homosexual, or thief will inherit the kingdom of God? And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll look at it here. He goes on, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetousness, nor drunkards or revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, but such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you like that. Look, the fact of the matter is we all like that because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why when that song that saved a wretch like me, 
That word wretch to me doesn't have a connotation that there was any good in me and there's no good in you. The only way that we could ever go to heaven is because we have believed and and Jesus has transferred his righteousness to us and we have put our sins upon him because we've asked forgiveness and we've asked him to come in and be our Lord and our Savior. No one has done these things can inherit the kingdom of God. Then it means most of us probably in this room won't make it without the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. It had to be the shedding of blood. There had to be a sacrifice for your sins and my sins. I didn't have it. You see, my account doesn't hold enough for that. Only Jesus and who he is as the perfect, unblemished lamb of God who gave his life for you and for me and who all who will call upon him can ever pay back. You see, the word is redeemed. And that means that we have been bought out of slavery. You and I were right in slavery. We had shackles on us. The sin, the shackles of sin were there. And only Jesus can come and release and undo those shackles. You can live a morally pure life and still not get into heaven. You know that? You can live a morally pure life. I mean like no one else. And still not get into heaven. Doing hospice. I saw this. I knew it. But I've witnessed it over and over and over again. And visiting with people. People would say. Yeah but dad he was a good man. He'd give you the shirt off his back. He did lots of good things, Jim. He would help the poor. He would do all of these things. And I would come back and say, but has he, has he a relationship with Jesus Christ? Has he ever believed upon him? Has he ever received him into his life? Well, no. Daddy took us to church. But he wouldn't go. And he never believed. How many times that I heard that mama was a good lady And she would do anything to help someone. And I'd say, well, what about her relationship with Jesus Christ? And they go, well, I believe she believed in God. I believe that maybe somehow she gave homage to him or in one way or another, gave a wink and a nod. But no relationship at all. Sin will obviously take you further than you ever wanted to go and keep you a lot longer than you ever wanted to stay. But Jesus, he came to set us free. See, there are no scales in heaven. Every religion except for Christianity is based upon what you do to gain your salvation. Every religion. That's why they're false religion. If you call them a cults or cults or whatever. And you think about it for a moment. And I thought about it and I said, well, my good works over here and they maybe weigh a little bit. Maybe I've done something good here. But I can tell you right now, my good works don't balance the scale. And that's not what God does anyway. There are no scales in heaven at all. The Bible says the wages 
or penalty of sin is death. In other words, every person has sinned and every person is deserving of death. And avoiding certain types of sin will not get you into heaven any more than committing certain types of sin will obviously become unforgivable. The sin mentioned here in Romans is in the singular sense, describing a state or condition. A condition of sin which is at the root, a rejection of God's rule in their lives. It is a rejection of Jesus. If you talk to someone about Jesus Christ, and many of them, they'll go, well, I believe in God. Yeah, of course, I believe in God. And I'll go, what do you believe about Jesus Christ, His Son? And what do you believe about what He did for you when He went to Calvary? Oh, I don't believe that. That's for the church folks. You're carrying this a little bit to the extreme, Jim. But you see, there's no way to in heaven to get, get in heaven except through Jesus Christ. And for that, obviously, for Him taking our place. He died in my place and in your place. That's why I shout hallelujah. That's why that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's meaningful to me and I know it's meaningful to you. The only way. Sin is deceitful. Oh, it's just a mistake. It's just, I mean, I haven't really been that bad. I haven't murdered anybody. My neighbor's a lot worse off than I am. See, we compare and we look at because the world presents to us a way there that we can look at everything else except for taking time to allow God to examine our hearts. The Bible says, and, we, and David prayed, search me and try me and see if there's any offensive way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O oh God. Look at my heart. I don't want anything in my life that's displeasing to you. I don't want any part of my life in rebellion to you where I've rejected your rule and your reign in my heart and my life. Seriousness of these things. But it's a rejection of God's grace and His gift. The fact that we can't pay the debt our, our sin obviously incurs is why God sent His Son Jesus. To pay the penalty of our sin by taking our place on the cross. He was nailed to the cross for you and me. And you say, well, what about the Romans that put him there? Yeah, they actually did it. But you see, in our hearts, we did it actually too. We put him there. And so when we place our faith in him, we receive the forgiveness of our sins and exchange our sin for his righteousness. And that's called the great ex exchange. We give him our sin. Let me tell you, that's something to shout about. You talking about something you can celebrate with today, just your salvation. I don't know what's happening in your life today. You have challenges. I do too. But I never want to forget the gift of his grace through Jesus Christ, my Lord, because obviously it's the greatest gift, the greatest word, the greatest thing he's ever done in my life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And for this reason that it will be for the rejection of God and the gift of his only begotten son that we will be banished to hell not for specific sins in our lives. Don't look at the sins of other people. 
And don't look at the severity, although we know our legal system will obviously, there, there's accountability. It is strictly meant, obviously, and means that we reject God and what he's done for mankind. It's a rejection. And you know, I can do that throughout my life, even as a Christian. I can reject, again, his will for my life. I can do my own thing. I think I have fire insurance and I'm going, well, I've accepted the Lord. And now I get to do my own thing. The Bible speaks exactly to the contrary. Because when you're saved, you, something has happened. You become, the Bible says, a new creature. You become new. Hallelujah. There's a difference there. It does not mean you're perfect. Okay, we know that. And we know that we confess our sins. And God provides that. But he provides it for fellowship with him. Not because we need to get saved over and over and over again. It means that he opens up the fellowship for us. And when there's sin in our life, life is something that blocks it. There's something not right in my life. And that's why every now and then it's good to get away and let the Holy Spirit do an inventory of your life. Had there words that you've spoken to someone that you wish you hadn't have said? Are there attitudes that you have displayed that really have not represented Jesus Christ and wherever you are, the marketplace or your job or your work or whatever it may be? Are there worries? Are there frustrations? Is there anger in your life towards someone that you're just not willing to forgive? You can be a Christian and have those types of things in your life. But God has the remedy. He gives us his word. Sin, obviously, when you get saved, will no longer be a ruler and master. And your life will be uh, not evidenced by sin's control. And your motive for not sinning isn't to gain heaven and avoid hell, but rather gratitude for God Almighty for what he did. Hallelujah. Praise him. Hallelujah. It will be gratitude throughout life. Something that God does in your life that I'm talking about. Eternity is a long time, folks. That's a long time. And I want to plead with people today. If somebody here has not really accepted Jesus Christ, if there's anybody here who's never really made him Lord over your life, today may be that day. Because we never know when that time will come. Eternity is a long, long time. Your desire to avoid sin is because of your desire is you want to enjoy God and you want to please Him. You don't want to break His heart. You don't want to go against His will. And I know when you stumble and fall, what happens? You need to confess it and repent of it and get back up because the cleansing blood is, is washing us. But it will cause you in some way the break in that fellowship with God and that relationship with God because you may say something's just not right in my life. And it could be something's crept in there. You see, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, they're already in the enemy's camp. They're already there. So where is the enemy going to work? He's going to work in my life and your life to destroy your witness, to try to get you off course, to keep you miserable, and you're somehow that all that shame and the guilt 
And all the worry and the frustration and all the worldly things that come in. And before long what happens is the world is first place in your life and Jesus is not. He works. The Bible says the Apostle Paul knew that. You read the book of Ephesians and look, look at the sixth chapter. He knew our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against us or people or our brothers and sisters and so forth. It's against powers of darkness, principalities. Those in high places today. That's where the enemy works in your life, my life. And he, he loves it when he gets us to stumble and fall. But what we do is we right, repent. We confess it to the Lord and we repent. Get back up again and keep on going. Because he's not done with me. And he's not done with you. But we need to understand that. A lot of times we think here. The fallacy of the lie here of not sinning will make you holy is that when you place your emphasis upon avoiding sin, you'll become preoccupied with yourself instead of God. God is a source of all holiness and not us. No amount of of not committing sin will make you holy. God alone can make you holy and will make you holy. But we get bogged down in all these things. And that's one side of that particular uh, equation, if you look at it, in the sense of the enemy will get you focused on your sin. And see, the sin comes from acts of the flesh. And the flesh is not going to get any better, folks. The flesh is that old nature in us. The part of our humanity that will always be there until we go to heaven. And God never said that I'm going to try to clean that rotten flesh up. He said, you've got to come and get your focus on me. Don't get your focus on anything else. I've mentioned not been several years ago and I I needed counseling. And I went to a mentor of me, a pastor mentor, and I I was I was just struggling with some things. And I went to him and I said, I'm just struggling. And and I remember he said, you know, uh, my, the ministry is through prayer. I'll pray for you. I said, that, yeah, I understand that. And he said this when I left. I'll never forget it. And he said this. He said, ask the Lord this. He didn't talk about any of that stuff I was struggling with. He said, to tell the Lord, you want to know him. And you will pursue him. And you will get to know him. And I've never forgotten it. So I don't get my eyes on those things I deal with. Yes, we need to flee from temptation and we need to resist temptation. Yes, we do. But when we focus on that, we become consumed with that. We need to be consumed with God. Hallelujah. Because otherwise you'll get discouraged, you'll get depressed, and you'll go, all these things are popping up because we all got stuff we're dealing with, right? But do you know who can deal with it? God Almighty. And when we put our faith in Him, and when we trust Him completely, the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, but I no longer live. But it's Christ who lives within me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave Himself for me. I'm no longer my own. The life of a Christian is a life of surrender. Every day. Every day. Give it up. I can't, Lord, but I'm coming to you. 
I need strength. I need power to live. I need your power. My power of the flesh doesn't work. It crumbles after a certain length of time real quick, in fact. The Holy Spirit will point out your sin if you're in fellowship with God. He'll point his finger. And what do you do? You don't be condemned by it. You confess it. And confession, and yes, I ask forgiveness for my sin. Okay. But the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, he says if we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He says confess it. What does confess mean? Agree with. Lord, it's sin. It's sin. But what do we do? We confess it. We repent of it. And then we wallow in that guilt and shame and all these types of things because the enemy wants to keep you down. He wants you to think, oh, do you really believe that God has forgiven you? Let me tell you something. I'll make it real clear today. If you're a Christian, you're sitting here today and you're born again, your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. You are safe in the hands of God Almighty today. Now, the issue is obviously you've been saved. Have you been born again? But there are things in my life I struggle with you don't struggle with. And you may say, hey, there, I'm, I'm good. I'm clean. I'm no problems at all. Well, maybe you need to ask some of those that are closest to you if there's anything going on in your life, right? Okay. Because again, behind closed doors is a different story. I get out into the world. Let me tell you, sometimes I tell the Lord, I say, Lord, I'm a mess. You got to straighten me up. Anybody ever told the Lord, say, Lord, I'm a mess. That's not false humility. It is true. I'm a mess, Lord. I can't fix it. I need you to come. That's what Jesus does, though. And he does it perfectly. The flesh is always trying to to rally and get us focused upon those things. And, and, And we try to fix the outside by do's and don'ts. Well, I'm doing better with this and that and the do's and don'ts and the list. I'm checking the list off. I'm not doing that anymore, blah, blah, this and that. And we need to, obviously, God will take those things and change those habits in your life, my habit, and so forth. But remember, we're in that process, what's called sanctification. And that sanctification is after you become a Christian and throughout your lifetime, before you go home to be with Jesus, it ends and then you'll be glorified when you were justified when you accepted Christ and the Bible that basically means just as if you've never sinned and then comes the sanctification process that's when the potter is putting your clay up on a wheel and he's molding and he's making you this is for believers folks He's molding you and me and he's molding us and we see that blemish there and he takes and slaps it back down and puts it back again, puts some more water on and he brings it back again. That's why it's broken vessels speaking to Christians today. And that's why we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Got to be born again, saved. We need to focus here. I'm going to kind of sum this up because it's good get focus on God don't focus on your sin tell God you don't want it in your life you want to please him in every aspect of your life if there's an area of your life that God is dealing with and you know that you're not under his rule and reign there's just something been blood just really bothering you it could be a past thing I've always said again a lot of how we are today is what we believe when we were children and how you were raised 
Sometimes children were spoken, obviously, very some words into their lives that they, and they could actually be a curse that needed to be broken and need you need to be free from. You know, some some kids are obviously uh, obviously disciplined very very harshly, and I I'm not saying not to discipline. I'm just saying there's a there's a fine line you go past and discipline. There should be boundaries. There should be do's and don'ts. There should be guidance through that. There should be teaching. Yes. But you can go past that. And some kids have been brought up in that environment. Abusive parents. Or abusive whatever friends. Whoever it may be. And one thing too. When you went to school. I don't know about y'all. I was teased. I mean. Without any mercy at all. The kids. I never really fit in. I played basketball. It was decent at it. Wasn't the best. But let me tell you. They teased me. Always wanted to fight me. Always wanted to fight me. I never understood that. Always. I'm thinking oh, like I'm a magnet for that. I can look back over my life. And they always teased me. And they wouldn't ever let me in their little clique. <laughs> the guys of the basketball team. The big. Uh, you know. Uh, the players there and everything else. You know. And, and stuff they did. I didn't really want to be in there. But I mean. They, they rejected me anyway. And I mean. It was all this stuff. Plus. The other thing is your appearance. A lot of kids, they don't feel like they, they look awkward. See, I've got a long neck, right? My neck is long. You know what they call me? Turkey. Yeah. Y'all, I knew that got your attention. If nothing else today, that got your attention and you'll not forget it. <laughs> I'll never. And they tease me about it. But God changed my heart, see. And we need healing, yes. And there's inner healing that the Lord will do. And it begins by getting saved. And then knowing who our identity in Christ is and who He is in our life and who we are in Him. Because He made me the way I was and I am. He has a plan for me and you. He hasn't forgotten about you or me. He's got something for us. And he wants to show that. But what he's doing is, he's like that guy that goes through the jungle with the machete. And he's taking and clearing it out, right? He's clearing it out with that machete. Man, here we go. Swiping it out, clearing away for us. And that's called prevenient grace. Grace, after you've been saved. And prevenient grace is actually what it's saying is God is in your tomorrow. He's in your next day. He's in your next weekend. He's already working it out for you and for me because why? Of his amazing grace. That's what he says here. In Romans chapter 8. For therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. But you got to believe it. you got to rest. And set your mind upon things above. You read the book of Colossians. Think about this thing. Get your mind up. Like I said, when I woke up yesterday morning, I immediately, the Spirit of the Lord brought to my mind that song. Oh, how He loves you and me. And I began to sing that. My mind immediately, because if not, you see, this is the battleground. And the enemy works right between your two ears. And these thoughts come. And and that's where, obviously, I believe the battle is won or lost. 
you begin to mull those thoughts over that somebody said something that obviously hurt your feelings or maybe they said something that obviously just like those kids did with me on my turkey neck and whatever else and all those things took place and took root to where I can remember them today they have an effect upon me God is be sanctifying us he's setting us free by those things that others did to us unintentionally many times or intentionally doesn't make any difference Remember, you can't fix the flesh. Stop paying attention to the flesh and get your focus on Jesus. Isaiah 26, 3 said, He'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in the Lord. See, everything else is jockeying for first place in my life and your life. And when we allow something else to come in and take Jesus' place... Away from us. And that's an idol. Because anything that takes the place of Jesus in your life. In my life. Is an idol. Period. I was talking to somebody recently. And he lives in Jalisco, Mexico. And there there's a mainly Catholic religion there. And he was telling me about the idolatry there in his city. And he's the only one as a believer that accepts and believes in Jesus and has walked and wanting to walk with Jesus and so forth. Man, he has actually come up against one attack after another because they have idols in their homes, actually physical idols all around the tops of their houses and in their rooms and all this kind of stuff. It's just one idol after another today. And you go, wow, we're not there. I don't have that in my house. But you see, something else can take the place of Jesus and it's actually an idol in your life and my life. Because anything that takes his place, and it's sin. And we know if you read the Old Testament, certainly what God thinks of idols, but certainly New Testament also, Paul obviously encountered it. Because we want to worship anything but God. All right, next one, thanks. I want to close on this here. The misconceptions I will not be forgiven of my sins unless I do something here. God, do something. I'm talking about singular, the sin nature and versus your individual sins that you deal with here. Confess them to the Lord. When you accepted Christ, you are forgiven. Past, present, and future. You confess them. You agree with God. I agree, Lord, it's a sin. You've shown it to me. And let me tell you, God is real capable of showing that to you if you're willing to allow Him to get rid of everything in your life, my life. Again, he is obviously making us holy. We're agreeing with him and we're partnering with him. And we're not doing the do's and don'ts necessarily that, but he, we're paying attention to what the Spirit of God. The Bible says that we are to walk in the Spirit and not gratify the lust of the flesh. He says, obviously, don't get drunk with wine. But he said, be ye filled with the spirit of God. And when you're filled with God's spirit, other things can't fill you up. But when you're empty of God, then other things will come in. Why? Is that how we're made? That sin will creep in very, very easily. Confess it. Get rid of it. Tell God to get rid of it. It's breaking his heart. And then the other thing is, I want to just tell you, God wants to forgive us. He wants to do that. He yearns for us to just come to him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to forgive you. I know you messed up. I want to forgive you. 
just agree with me. It's sin. And he comes in and cleanses you and me. He restores that relationship. Some people say I can get a, I can sin, get away with it. Nobody does. Can't get away from it. There are consequences. And God's children will suffer discipline. People who are sin, who have never accepted Christ, then we know that their destination is not heaven. But God will forgive if we'll take and confess it to him. Sin will steal your joy. Sin will remove your confidence before God. And sin brings guilt. And sin gives Satan power over us. Sin quenches God's spirit. Sin causes an ache in your soul. Some people say, well, my sin is not really that bad. It's not too bad. But see, one man said it like this. He said, no sin is small. No grain of sand is small in the mechanism of a watch. It destroys it. It will eventually eat at you. And obviously, some people will say, well, God can't use me until I'm free of my sin. That's not true. We all have blemishes. We all, God, we're under, we're under uh, construction. Don't let the enemy tell you, you know, you've got this issue, you've got that issue, or, or whatever. And don't let that stop don't let that stop you from serving the Lord and blessing God. Again, he knows what it, where it is. And he knows the timing that he wants to deal with it. He will deal with it. Allow him to do it. Don't take condemnation on you. What I'm saying today, don't get this wrong. Therefore, there's no condemnation. None. Zip. You are not condemned. All God wants is a free relationship with you and me. And we haven't reached the end yet, okay? Talked to somebody yesterday. And their granddaughter, who they've prayed for, for she and her husband, strong Christians, have prayed for for many, many years. Just uh, married a person who's not a Christian. Got married last weekend. And it's broken their hearts. Okay. But I was sitting just sharing with her, listening to her, because we're praying, and I know that she is, and other family members. And she said something that I think the word is for all of us today. She said, but that's not final. That's not final. Isn't that good? That's not final. Okay? It's not final. Because God's not through with us yet. Not through with me. I just recognize just a little glimpse of that amazing grace that we sang, that Kathy sang about. Just a little glimpse. And I'm blown away. Blows my mind. So just remember, it's not final. He's not done with you. He's working on me. He's working on you. He's making me more like Jesus. And sometimes it's painful. But don't feel good. He shows me something. And it's something that obviously is for my best. And, and he knows what's best. But I always think I know what's best. I don't know about you. But he says yield to me. Let me have it. I'll take care of it. If you'll give it up.